Dear Church Podcast. Back by popular demand is the Dear Church Podcast lightning round, and we have the privilege of bringing that to you today. I'm here with my co-hosts, Steve Brednick, Martin Wickens, and Tom Brennan. My name's Stephen Russ, and we all four together co-host the Dear Church Podcast. One of the highlights of last season was this lightning round idea that we had. Whose idea was this, by the way? Uh, I think it was your idea, which was was Jesus' idea. idea. No, yeah, well, I, I think God gave me the idea. So, are we going to talk same. about? Are we going to talk about the elephant in the room before we get started? You, okay, you're going to clarify. I'm not teeing up a fat joke here, but no, uh, that yeah, that rules, was too easy. The rules are rigged against me. Why? Because he doesn't like rules. Because we have rules. Limited. This is like <laughs> existence verbal, of rules. This is like verbal Twitter. It's like 144 characters, two minutes, no, you know. This is this I mean, is actually just this is not. actually better because we can, you know, say things to each other's face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That's a little better. Well, Twitter Tom, you're pretty you're pretty amped up over there. Tom's like doing his boxing stance and he's got the Rocky theme song in his headphones. Yeah. Come on, let's cool. go. Let's do this. Hold All right, let me give up. you the let me give you the rules now that Steve brought that up. A controversial question will be asked or a statement made. We will give two minutes time to each one, during which time we may agree, disagree, discuss, or attack one another with all the fury of a camp meeting preacher or a recovering fundamentalist. After the two minutes is up, a bell will ding. <laughs> well, Whoa. I have... I wish, I wish, I wish you guys could all see Stephen Russell's face. <laughs> we better edit that out. I don't know. No way, I'm, man. Keep it in all the way. I'm trying to get it set up here, guys. Hold on. Hey, this is reality. We don't, hey. we don't hide anything. All right, here we go. There it is. After two minutes. <laughs> shh. After two minutes is up, a bell will ding. Hopefully. At which time the next question will be asked, and as has already been mentioned, there's no circling back, no further explanation, no continuation of the debate. The matter has been settled. Everybody agree? I will, but I am a conscientious objector, however that term is, yeah. I think we better get into it. When you did your marriage vows, Brudnack, did you say, I do, but... (laughs) No, I mean, you're Unless the marriage guy in all living United. Except, by the yeah. way, my marriage is awesome. I love it. I love my wife. Amen. And we have a couples ministry, Living United at livingunited.com, and a great retreat coming up Amen. February uh, 17th, 18th, and 19th. Question okay, number one. Like, We're going to bill you for that um, sponsorship. Bill me for that. Uh, yeah, I'm that. sorry. Yeah. All right. Question, question one. number one. Question number one. Here we go. Annual themes, are they helpful? Are they necessary? And how do you keep an emphasis on them throughout the year if you have them? Who all has an annual theme this year? I do. I do. I don't. I I don't carry it through super well. And it's not that I don't talk about it throughout the year. It's just I don't tie every aspect to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, don't, I, don't I don't think you can do that. theme either. Yeah. Right. Well, when I had yeah, them, we I do. did. 
I mean, not every aspect, but I, I really hammered it. Like I would choose a theme. Clarence Sexton made a statement one time, place an emphasis where the scripture places an emphasis and themes helped me to do that. So I would emphasize prayer or the Bible or the church or soul winning or, you know, something like that, or wisdom. And then I would really preach it. I would, I would come up with other ways of emphasizing it with different things in the service and things. Um, so it really did help me to emphasize things. I found eventually it just got too constricting. Like people demanded in their mind that I have a theme and it constricted my preaching. And so that's why I stopped mm-hmm. doing it. But I think they're helpful. We never used I did to kind have of one. enjoy. Go ahead, Martin. I'll let you go first. And I'll. So I was going to say, I did enjoy finish. in 2020 when so many people had uh, the theme of uh, clearer vision and all that. And then 2020 just <laughs> knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. 2020 vision. Yeah. That yeah. didn't go so yeah, well. Got it. Yeah. Exactly. I had a preacher friend who actually, I forgot what his theme was in 2020, but it had something to do with kind of blurry vision or something, which it was interesting. And then it was like, boom, COVID happened. Yeah. So, Russ, I really want to know what like you got to say here. Oh, I, I think you can have it. I, the, I remember the first year I became a pastor, I did not have one on purpose because I felt like we just needed to have church and we were emphasizing everything, you know. Um, after that, we started having Vision Sundays like a lot of people do. And I think that's been really good. We had one this year and our theme is growing in grace. Uh, we've had some that have been more specific than that, but we really want to focus on discipleship and, and all that this year. So it's pretty applicable. Okay, here we go. Um, we're going to go on to the next question. Question number two, and this one may get a little bit more, I don't know, a little more discussion going on. What level of participation is biblically allowed to women? as it relates to serving in the church. Well, Steve Brodnack, you're the only one without a bed and closest to uh, perhaps a woman's opinion. Do you want to take this one? We go, we're going there. Um, (laughs) My answer to this is always that, that men and women are spiritual equals. I love to say that because far too much in good churches, it's treated differently. And, but God does very specifically say that, Women are to teach you usurp authority over a man in a church. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. But is that the only thing they're not allowed to do? Okay. So let me say this. I believe the New Testament model is a men-led church. That's the phrase I use here in our church. Uh, again, I agree with Steve that the Bible teaches that men and women are spiritually equals, that God loves them both, mm-hmm. we're both sinners, etc. But I do think the New Testament model is a men-led church, and so it's not just teaching and preaching to a mixed assembly of adults. It is, I think there are some practical or pragmatic <laughs> preference things um, where we we do things with a group of men, and it's just, it's just what I believe yeah. is the Bible model. I would also say I, I would throw the analogy of health at this in the sense that, you know, a scriptural principle, First Corinthians 11, talks about the relationship between men and women and headship and leadership. And, you know, we have ladies in our church pray in our, we have public prayer meetings where all of mm-hmm. our we just pray mm-hmm. together, the whole church, kids, women, men. And in Acts 114, it says mm-hmm. the women prayed yeah, also. Mm-hmm. And I tell our church, I say, I think there'd be a problem in our public prayer meeting if this ends up being dominated by women, because it's not wrong for them to participate in my mind. But I think it would be wrong if they are. T- and I even challenge the men in our church. I'm like, your women, your wives should not be your out women. praying you, so to speak. <laughs> that didn't sound sexy. And it's, not about, no, it's not about ability. <laughs> it's not about ability. It's about office, created order, the order of the yeah. church. Yeah, I told our church because I had to preach through that passage, you know, about women shall not, you know, and it says women shall remain silent in the church. Um, and I said, look, you know, God didn't intend for a woman to be a pastor or a preacher any more than he, in- he intended for her to be a husband. 
And so it's a role that God established. Um, but the reality of it is there were deaconesses. Yeah. So what do you do with that? What do you well, do with again, that? Well, there's office and there's also, you know, the, the, the role and we're deacon means ministry means to serve. we're all supposed to be servants. Yeah. There's apostles right. and there's the apostles. The difference is in essence, not function. Mm, Wait, did good. I say that right? I said it back. The bell's wrong. No, doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. The, the bell has rung. Is, <laughs> no, the difference is function, not essence. Shut him down. Gonna, Shut him I'm down. They function differently. They don't, as, don't do that to me. <laughs> Steve doesn't want to be silent. No, because that's a big misspeak there. It's going to get out there. <laughs> then you got to stop at the bell. Oh, man. All right. Question number three. How do you make the decision to cancel or reschedule church for either bad weather or holidays? I would answer this, that it is a decision of each local church. And I think that's mm -hmm. very important. And every pastor should look at it that way because you have different factors. You have different. I kind of find that redundant. Way. So how does that local church? We know that we're independent Baptist church. Yeah, so this how is what do you Because guys listening will fall under the pressure of how that's answered. Because, you know, what do you say if, if it's an inch of snow? Well, that's different in Springfield, Missouri than in Dubuque, Iowa. Everyone has to pastor their own flock. And that is for sure. And down, I'm sorry, but down south, people react different to weather. And no, so I got I, a lot of friends down south who very quick to call it. I mean, they're like, all right. I, I remember recently there were a bunch of churches down in the South who were all going to four o'clock in the afternoon services to give ice time to melt. I mean, that's what they do down there. Yeah. I, I think agree, it depends on. I do think, the, go ahead, Mr. Wiggins. Now you go, Tom. I, I do think that there is something to be said for an increasing in our generation tendency to cancel. I, I yes. think that needs pushback against. I, I think there's some sense of, aren't we dealing with adults? If they don't think it's safe to come, this is not a mandated yeah. thing. It's not kids going to school on a bus. You know, if you don't think it's safe to come, don't come. I'm not going to hassle you about not being here, but I'm going to have church. I saw a guy just yesterday canceled. He said, well, not everybody has four-wheel drives. Okay, I agree. Not everybody has four-wheel drives. So then some do. those that don't, then they stay home. And those that do, they come. You've canceled it for everybody and you've given no option. So that's that's the pushback I want to give. Yeah. We, yeah. Go ahead, Martin. No, probably our, our main criteria is, is it safe on our property? You know, the roads around us may or may not be, is our parking lot accessible? Are we going to get people stuck there? And so, you know, it's, it's a safety issue for us. Do you um, modify services for Christmas Day? 10 seconds. I do. I do. It's the only, one. It's the only yeah. one I do. I do yeah, too. Once every seven yeah. years. Yeah. And we reschedule our midweek service to Tuesday for Thanksgiving. So, you know, we do make some changes along the way, but we try to have services as much as possible. Okay, uh, question number four, and this one's a softball question. No pun intended. What is your favorite sport to play and favorite sport to watch? Let's start with Tom. My favorite sport to play is pool because when I bought my house, I had a pool table in the basement. I've always wanted a pool table in the basement, and God gave it to me without me even expecting it. So that's not a that's sport. Not what do you mean it's not a sport? Do you realize those guys you hit might as a well million balls a month? <laughs> if you can't bowling. pull a muscle while you're doing oh. it, it's not a sport. If you can't yeah. pull a muscle while you're doing it, it's not a sport. If, if oh, you no, came to my it. house and you weren't so allergic to cats and you'd come down to the basement and play pool, you'd probably pull a muscle. Do you watch <laughs> any sports, Tom? I do not. I gave them up, honestly. That part of me just withered and died. I was a huge sports fan for 20 years. I gave it up. I haven't watched a game of any kind in, since I started writing. 
Mm. You know really I sometimes funny? watch like the big games, like maybe the World Cup or something like that. The World Cup. I knew you were going to go to like, soccer, and I'm going to. Well, it's kind of mic. like the World Series, but it actually involves the world, um, and it has other <laughs> no, countries the, involved. The World but Cup's kind of like very, watching watching the grass grow, isn't it? Pretty much. Hey, wasn't there a big game recently that was won by a toin cost? To- a toin cost. <laughs> a toin cost. Oh, here's here's. The- <laughs> Here's the irony. My favorite por- sport to play is soccer, but my favorite sport to watch is football. My I, favorite sport I to participate soccer. in is is running because I can't do more than one thing at once. So I run. If I have to jump or kick or anything like that, I can't. Well, so I enjoy a, running. Sport. I love to hike. I hike a lot. I'm like yeah, Tom Brady. Exercise. I'm in my late 40s and still killing it athletically. That's all I'm saying. Is Tom Brady in his late 40s, Steve? No, he's not. But okay, I'm, I like I'm if I were to my favorite sport to watch is football. My favorite sport to play is basketball. I'm good at neither, and that's just the way it is. A little uh, little reprieve from the hard questions here. We're going to go ahead and set the bell early on that one. Uh, here is a here's a question, and this one actually will be interesting. If you podcast together, do your individual opinions mean they are also the opinions of your co-host? Time started. No, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. I agree with everything Brother Brudnack posts on Twitter. Oh, no, I just no. I just naturally yeah. say amen. I, I you know, I agree with everything Brother Wiccan says about soccer. I agree with Brother Russ on his purple lights. <laughs> I agree with you guys about everything. You know, that's funny because everything you just said, you were you were the humor of it was you have problems with those and you mentioned the purple lights. So you you have we just revealed something. And by the way, the list uh, is longer than what he just said. I, oh, I know. Yes. yes, the list is enormously. I'd, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to expand on my answer. I said no, and I'd like to expand on that. Absolutely not. <laughs> could you As it relates to could this podcast, <laughs> absolutely not. Is there anyone hey. you disagree with more than others, Martin? I'd like to hear your answer. It's not always a matter of an opinion expressed, but on how the opinion is explained. That's a good way to say it. Does that make sense? So I might yeah, agree with what a person believes, but sometimes it's how they say it that okay, I would maybe take issue with. Okay, but the avenues they choose to say it in are self-limiting. Then they should be aware of that. Okay, that's true. Yeah. But this <laughs> illustrates the point of the spectrum of left and right, because you and I all fall left and right on sometimes you know everybody's going to come back and be, they're going to laugh at the fact that you even inferred that any of us are left. They're yeah, absolutely roast us for being diverse. Yeah, but as much as I have the nickname Bulldog and everything, I'm probably the, the most left. And there's someone that gives me a run for my money on that of the group of us. I thought you gave Tom, that Tom is up. by far the most stodgy IFB old school guy in here, but we still love Thank him. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And he, and he accepts it. <laughs> no, we're all our own individuals and we all have our own opinions and we disagree quite often. Graciously. All right. This one's an easy one. It may not go two minutes. Um, announcements before, middle, or at the end of the service, or not at all. What do you guys think? I I do them all over, but my preference would be to do zero announcements at all. I think they distract from a church service, which is preaching and prayer. And, and yeah. music, I think you have to do them. I've learned if you don't do them, that you just can't get stuff done. But to me, they're just honestly just an endless aggravation. How now, could I, I mean, have the total opposite view of that? To me, announcements are important to the life of a church. 
because I view them as a chance as the pastor to cast a vision for what we're doing. Hey, we're doing this. This is why we're doing it. My announcements get very long because of that. And I actually get teased a little bit about that. But I, I don't know. To me, I put them in the middle. And some of us, some yeah, but what about Bingo in the basement? You know, I mean, suggestion of Bingo in the basement Friday night, seven o'clock. That's what you do at your church, right, Steve? They don't have those kind of announcements. We, we put our announcements. We do ours right at the beginning. It's the very first thing. So you have the prelude and everything. And then one of our deacons gets up, does the announcements, and then we go into the first hymn. Then I'll do, you know, this, scripture reading and prayer. So it's there, but it's first and then out of the way. And then we move into everything. So there's no kind of change yeah, of pace. I, I like I that. I so many people, beginning, people forget them. Yes. Yeah. I read something it. early or I read something recently. It talked about putting announcements within your sermon, which I thought was kind of interesting where people will actually could be done. Listen, but not for like every one. <laughs> it's like in the middle of your sermon. And now <laughs> a word. From yeah, Mark. Sponsor. Mark Driscoll, that just seems disjointed in the middle of his sermon. You know, I yeah. just remember it just some seems disjointed, was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Random wow, we're, reference. We're naming names now. Yes, that was all Tom. And I was just re- repeating it. So everybody heard it. Tom's I'm trying to figure out what he would be announcing. Like, is he announcing that he's going to be down at the no, bar? I read after something one time where he was know. he was soliciting people. He wanted people to text him during the met. Well, that's yeah. Okay, that's different. Wow. But I can't continue because the yeah. bell. Right. I follow the rules. I'm surprised that ever, one went two minutes. Did y'all ever notice no. the bell never cuts off, Brother Russ? Yes, I have noticed that. Because yeah. I have the timer. He, he's he's the expert radio guy, so he knows how to wrap it up and bring something to a conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, Martin. he also knows how to introduce things flawlessly. Never mangle words. He's, He's a got pro. good hair too. <laughs> well, he does. Hair he needs, kills it. He needs to time. grow his beard out a little bit, but uh, otherwise, he's you know. I'm re. You know, I'm, I'm rethinking to think he can't grow his beard out. That's what I'm, I'm rethinking the whole hair thing and talking about hair because when you overemphasize your hair, it's the end result isn't that good. Just ask Absalom. I was thinking about that just today. Question number seven. What is the difference between a wolf in the church, as in a wolf in sheep's clothing, as opposed to someone who is just immature or struggling and out of that immaturity causing problems? I think the answer to that has to go back to the book of Proverbs. When you study the scorner and the simple and the wise man and the fool, you Hmm. study out those men, you come to the conclusion you have to be able to identify who is a scorner and who is a simple man. And then the book of Proverbs tells you how to treat each one. And so, yes, they're different than each other. If you label them wrong, you mistreat them wrong, you handle them wrong, and you damage them and you damage your church. But on the other hand, if you don't figure out who the scorner is and you don't smite him or cast him out, as the Bible says, you also damage your church. So I think the answer is found in studying the book of Proverbs. Hmm. It's also a difference between weakness and wickedness. Uh, people are weak, but then there are people with wick. And I think that's, you know, a little bit of what Tom just said is, you know, how does someone respond to rebuke? And then another, I think, indicator also would be how how that person interacts with other people in the church. As a, a weak sheep would, you know, handle other sheep, but a wolf would eat up sheep, would suck well, them you, in, would, would I do think to, damage yeah. to them. I think to identify a person in the, you know, to, to categorize them, that's the wrong way to put it, but you have to determine whether they're being subversive or whether they're being simple. And whether or not they're being simple, I guess you still have to determine are they damaging the flock 
and you have to deal with that too, right? So, but I, yeah, I but do, I do think that's correct. Sorry, I had to blow the whistle on the wolf. <laughs> I, 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 I have a whistle on my desk, and the thought there's a famous message: blow the whistle on the wolf. I think I. Had- <laughs> Go ahead. You know, we're all speechless I re- at this point. I remember growing up with kids like you, Steve. <laughs> from the earliest age. When I That's reached amazing. my desk, I should have grabbed not my fidget spinner, not my whistle. I'm sorry. All right. Moving on. Question number eight. <laughs> that just blew my I ears wish, out. I wish the people listening could have seen all your faces. <laughs> that was too good. The beauty sorry. of doing the recordings this way is that we're actually video recording right now. We don't put that out. <laughs> but there are some of these that we're going to take and we're going to put out and we're just going to put them out in clips because sheesh, man. Okay. Question number eight. If you weren't called to preach, what profession would you see yourself pursuing? Let's answer this in order of age, Brother Russ. Okay. I would have to answer that question based on my interests currently. In the last couple, three years, I have become um interested as a pastor in ministering to law enforcement, become a law enforcement chaplain. Mm. And I have a brother-in-law who's a sheriff's deputy um, over the new year. We were out there out there where he's from in Washington and and I got to do a ride along with him. You know, I don't know that I'm I'm wired like the average cop, um, but I certainly could see myself pursuing it if I weren't doing this. But that that is man, I tell you what, that's entirely dependent on whether or not I th- whether or not I, my life would go that direction, I don't really know. That's that's a that's a non-answer that's, answer. That's an interesting answer, Brother Wiggins. Yeah, I don't know. I enjoy working with college people. Professor. I enjoy <laughs> what's yeah, that? that? College well, professor. I, I was say I enjoy working with people. I enjoy impacting lives. I enjoy teaching. So I think probably something in the realm of teaching. Um, whether I could qualify at higher levels, I don't know. But uh, yeah. Tom? Oh, I guess I'm next. Right. Um, well, the truth is with my health condition, if I wasn't pastoring, I'd be on disability. So I mean, that's just the truth. Realistically, uh, I would probably try to make money like running a bookstore. I could open one I want and sell stuff online. Um, you know, in my heart, back when I was younger, I, I loved the military. I would have loved to go into the military. Yeah. I, I would be a billionaire. <laughs> um, what are you waiting for? But I gave that up for the ministry. Anyways, I was no, thinking I'm, you would I'm be a kidding. court jester or something <clears throat> no, like that. No, I, I would probably do something with people, either sales yeah. or marketing. And honestly, you, even you should be like, a basketball ref. I, I, oh. I love politics and stuff. <laughs> a basketball ref. Oh, yeah. The, stri- the stripes are very slendering. Slendering? Slimming? <laughs> what? I was referring to the whistle you just ruined our lives with. <laughs> oh, the whistle. Did that really hurt your ears? Immensely, my soul, brother, hurt my soul immensely. I'm sorry, that was. I'm trying wild. to figure out how I'm going to audio are, edit that. Are any, in a little bit. Even, are any of you even like familiar with that sermon at all? Blow the whistle on the wolves. Look it up. Question number nine: Most impactful book you read in 2021 outside of the Bible? Martin Wickens. This one. Okay. Uh, it's called Spurgeon's oh, Sorrows. And basically, it was a collation and some interpretation of Spurgeon's approach to depression. And he actually was way ahead of his time, I think, in understanding what depression is from a biblical 
perspective and how to deal with it and also how to help others in a truly effective way. So um, it's only a little book, but it was really impactful for me. Awesome. Mine would be the 4-8 principle by Tommy Newberry. Uh, It's kind of in the genre of like time management type self-help, I guess, but he's a Christian and the 4-8 principles, Philippians 4-8, you know, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, pure, you know, I don't, I used to have that verse memorized, but it really talks about what you think about and the fact that we're not, you know, and I need to be reminded of it. It's not the first book I've read it, but we're not, we're not out of control in what we think about. We can, you know, put our mind in the right place and how important that is. It's a helpful book. Sounds very pragmatic. I read a book. Nice. For me, I read a book um, on praying hide written by a man by the name of Basil. Steve, Basil. How about that? Um, And it was fascinating. Um, There was a book I started that also was has been fairly impactful. I, had, I did not finish it in 2021, but it's called the Goodbye to the Low Profile, The Art of Creative Confrontation about a guy whose um, business was targeted by in a speech by the president. And so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I just did a blog post on my top 10 books of 2021 and it got good response. Um, I, uh, I think of all of those, it's really hard for me to pick, but I think the one that impacted me the most personally was John Milton's Paradise Lost. It sat on my shelf for decades, and I decided to finally read it last year. I read it out loud, as I do all poetry. It's about 280 pages, and it was just phenomenal. How John Milton puts you in the Garden of Eden. Good. Just, just awesome. awesome. Question number 10 of the lightning round. How do you guys do coffee? How do you do coffee? What's your, what's your preference, Steve? Light and sweet. <laughs> I... I uh, I put all the frou frou in it, but here's the thing: I like coffee. That's not very like slendering. Dark. I like it dark and strong, but I like then to lighten and sweet it because it really. I like that that conflict between bitter and sweet. It's just so you make your own awesome. coffee. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I do, but I, I'm a Starbucks guy. As much as people hate it and stuff, I'm a large hot venti. Um, sugar-free vanilla brevet latte with an extra shot. Wow. It's my go-to right there. I think I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I also am a Starbucks so guy. so much with that that's wrong am. with society. Just, hey, I, you know what, just though? Just drink the your Lord coffee. In- if, you don't, if you want dessert, get dessert. If you want coffee, drink coffee. This is good, Pastor Wiggins. Hey, like 17 Martin, different Martin, kinds Martin, of Martin, milk. I don't know, and- I don't know if, if, if you know this or not, but this is America. It's a free country. Oh. oh, hey, let me tell you this. I like yeah. Duncan, and there's a new like <laughs> development near our church across the street, and a sign went up saying, Duncan, coming soon. And it was one of the men in my church. He made the sign just to prank me. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, I just, wow. I was just about oh, sick. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was that's hilarious, nice. though. That is well, don't drink coffee, but plain, <laughs> you know, just, just nothing, I'm just glad nothing Martin didn't bring, up, didn't bring up tea. That's something that definitely, you know. Okay, so that's my answer. I don't drink coffee at all. I drink tea. I have about 15 kinds of tea. Um, Really? really? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Loose leaf tea. God (laughs) save the queen. For those who can't see, Martin's got a picture of the queen. Most of my tea comes from England because that's such a great tea drinking, exporting country. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, I I haven't drunk a cup of coffee in years. Was Queen Elizabeth queen when uh, the War of 1812 took place? You mean where the English beat us? Americans Mm. in history. All right. Okay. And speaking of Americans, I'm going to ask this question next. 
Uh, recently, there was some conflict or con- uh, controversy, rather, of a pastor of a well-known church in Texas allowing President Trump, former President Trump, to speak at his church. And so the question is, I think David Platt also had President Trump speak uh, or had him on the platform and prayed for him um, as well back during the 2020 deal, maybe. Uh, would you let the president speak in your pulpit? I would wow. let the president speak, uh, whatever president, whatever country, he, or whatever whatever party, as because he's he's the leader of citizens. I would not let him campaign. I would let right. him greet people. I would let him. I, I would honor. I would honor the position that he's in. Um, I I would not. Le- I would not let anything remotely like a campaign event happen. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Can you really separate the two, though? That That's, you know. I don't know. I mean, realistically, is this ever going to be a problem for Bible Baptist Church of Dubuque? No. So uh, this Ooh. is uh, this is hypothetical. We understand. Right. But we're trying very to hypothetical. OK, well, let's make it more I'd realistic. No. Would you let I, the mayor speak? Yes. In his well, capacity as a mayor. Well, then why wouldn't you let the president? To me, it's the same answer. You don't yeah. want the mayor campaign, right. but you greet him. You welcome him. You say we're pleased you're here. Would you like to say a, a brief word to the people? Well, politicians in general, though, you know, it is a, a bit of a you got to roll the dice. Uh, we we try to if if we ever have anyone in our that visits our church who's even running for office or they're in office, whatever, we try to respectfully recognize them. Um, and we have had we have had some of those politicians come up and say a word. And, you know, we just take the simple approach that those who support the traditional biblical view um, where it's applicable in politics, we support them in that endeavor. And and we're, I'm very specific about how I say that to my church because I don't want to campaign for anybody. I think their churches no, would I, even I go as far as to let any. British citizens speak. I mean, I, you know, that's Martin. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have to say, Martin? So, you know, I mean, it would just be a flat no. I just don't see any uh, role. Would you let the queen speak? Ooh. I'll look at his face. <laughs> not, not in her capacity as the queen. No. In, in, oh in, in England, there is, the, I think, a much greater divide in state and church, you know, in the circle yeah, of churches. The, the state pays for the church. How's that even? Not my church. <laughs> Baptist churches in Britain have a far greater divide than most Baptist churches in America from the government. Okay. I would, I, and honestly, we robbed, we robbed Martin of the opportunity to actually add substance to this argument. So I apologize, Martin. I gave, I, I even added 10 for seconds. Anything. Don't apologize for a thing. <laughs> oh man. Well, All right, go question. ahead and mute Steve. He's about to do something. Yeah. Oh my. Question 12. Stapler. <laughs> question 12. Should you wear a shirt and a tie while you are soul winning or visiting? That's I mean, a very so situational thing. Yeah, individual soul liberty, but that's situational. I don't, I, don't care if, I don't care if someone does, but I would say no. And I think this is a great time to talk about contextualization because in 2022 in the United States of America, if someone's going house to house to do anything, they are not wearing a shirt and a tie. Isn't that a good all. reason to do it, though? Yeah, I think it is. I think at some level, contextualization is not a problem because we do it on the mission field all the time. You know, I mean, if you're in the Philippines and you're going to be dressed up, I think there are some suits over there. But what is that shirt called? They have their dress shirt barong. is a bar- barong. Barong. Yeah. barong. I have to go yeah. 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 You know what? I'm going to tell you that I've actually thought this out. Um, I don't think I have to, nor do I think it's always appropriate to wear 
dressy, you know, formal shirt and tie and suit when you're visiting or soul winning. Uh, usually I wear a collared shirt, much like what I've got on today, khaki pants, something like that, a little bit more business casual. But I will tell you this, I try to never go to the hospital or to uh, especially like a deathbed call without a suit and tie on. And here's why. I remember when my wife's grandmother passed away, uh, Catholic family, and we were actually in the house there. And, you know, around that time, the family gathered and um, priests came to do last rites. And I re- never forget one of the family members saying, man, it looks like he just came from fishing because he didn't come dressed up. And I thought, you know, if anything, that's a good reason to recognize that people do expect something of the preacher. You can argue whether it's biblical or not. That's that's not what I'm arguing. I just think it's an effective, yeah. respect, re- respectful thing to show up that way. And other people will do it different. And I will not fight them on that, especially if it works for them. Yeah. yeah evangelistic. I, think- I would try and be more business casual, but a visit like you said, yeah, stepping it up. So you go ahead, Tom. I was just saying that's good pastoring, Russ. That was all I'm going to say. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, this is this is going to be an interesting. And actually, can we just start with Martin on this one? Um, communion, closed, close, or open, and how often? Well, before you do the timer, do you want to give the definitions of those to make sure everyone's on the same page? And then yeah, go okay. Into it? So I'll stop the time. So closed would be only to the members of your specific church. Close would be members of your church as well as um, church members of churches of like faith, and then open would just be you don't you don't check you don't monitor whatsoever anyone's welcome uh, any believers are welcome I think does that make sense yeah just so you know and that's how I understood it but if, you know for our listeners yeah time started All right, I would say somewhere between close and open I would be close in that I would announce and say. You know, this is for those of like faith and practice, uh, those in right standing with the Lord, you know, the, the basic things, saved, baptized. But I can't check everyone if we've got a visitor. So right. in principle, it would be close. In practice, it probably does end up being open because you can't, you know, monitor every situation. Brother Brodnack, you want to make your case for closed? Yes. There. There's my sound effect. The door is shut. That's <laughs> <laughs> I just I was using my stapler as a sound effect. And, you know, to me, I think closed is I think the Bible says you come together. Um, it's uh, it's administered by the pastor. I am closed, but I am not. There are closed guys that like write off anyone that's close. Um, and I have a problem with open. And I like the way Brother Wickens talked about you know, practically, you know, it is open <clears throat> or not. Well, he was he was saying he believes in close, but I do think it does come down to the fact that if you're administering it as a pastor, you do it to your church members. And it's also serious. You know, the Bible says if you do it wrongfully, you could die. Um, therefore, you know, I, I, I want to administer to people I know. The only question I have about closed, and by the way, many of my friends are closed communion, and I totally respect it, totally respect it. But there's two ordinances in the church that we see, baptism and Lord's table. I don't require everyone to be baptized in my church who's a member of my church. What? So I don't require... Are you saying you can be a member of your church without being baptized? 
No, no, I don't require right. them to have been and baptized in my church. I see. I understand that approach, but you only baptize people into your church. And that's where I would say I would only administer the Lord's Supper to people. So in my response church. to the closed position is I can't get past the passage where Paul says, let a man examine himself. As a pastor, if I take a closed position, I'm taking the position that I'm examining them and saying, you're fit and you're not. But Paul said, let a man examine himself. I respect very much the sincerity and reasons behind mm-hmm. closed positions protecting the church. I admire that. So but we I, all. I can't but examine. That's, that's within a local church. You're examining yourself. So we all have. We have three close and one closed, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. There we go. I feel like I'm cheating a little bit today, guys. I really the reason do. I did that sound effect like is too. many people. <laughs> the, the reason I did that sound effect is because many closed guys say if the door is even partly partly op, op, open, it's open. But I, I do say that there is a difference between close and open. Okay, so question 14. And <laughs> this one is uh, maybe a little lighthearted after that. Uh, how do you pronounce the word amen in a song? Such as revive us again. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. Well, that's not a hard thing to answer. Every real man says amen. And amen. people from England go amen. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just not. <laughs> Is it a regional thing, though? Because I grew up saying amen and I grew up in Detroit. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say that it's actually correctly supposed to be amen. Right. Okay, Mr. You know Music Man answer. singing the song. <laughs> Tom, but, how do you see you it? Know, your, your church is in the north, but it's kind of got that more yeah, no, southern we, we influence. Do, we do, feel. do you? Revive us again. Amen. Yeah. Everybody Martin. knows what Martin's answer is. Oh, yeah. We know. Be all men. It just sounds so much more appropriate. Borderline Anglican here. Yeah. Brother Russ's church, they say, hey, man. No, this <laughs> is what it sounds in our church. In our, in our church, it sounds like a blend between I, man, because it's on A. There's just so many people. And half the time I say amen because I'm not thinking. And when I, I was in high school, I had the most annoying amen you ever heard in your life. You know, you're trying to feel your give way us a, a teenager. Oh, amen. A t- it was, oh, it was, no. it was really sound doctrine. <laughs> I would yell that one. It was bad. I think singing, I just, it, you know, singing does tend to be amen, I think, for, you know, a lot of people yeah. in practice. There's such a wide variety. And you get the double amens. It's like, amen. It's so like they amen their own amen. And, oh, that was like, good. There's, yeah, there's, there's a wide variety. We had a lovely you put a little band. H on the first of that. We had a lovely man in Chicago. He was uh, actually a Methodist, but he would come to our services on Sunday night, and he would his way of saying "man" was "glory, glory, glory." He just yeah. loved, it was just such a sweet thing to add to the service. I had a guy. I preached a guy in my church. In the States outside of my home church. The preacher, the pastor of the church, got up on his pew behind me and shouted "yeehaw." I'm like, "What yeah. on earth?" I got a guy in my church, and he may listen to this. And I love it when he does it. He says, "Do tell, do, do tell." tell. Yeah, I had a guy snap and point once. He was a guest. He only came one time. It, we like something. He'd like snap and point. And uh, I think the worst weird. I ever heard was a man who who hollered as loud as he could, "Call a dog a dog preacher." Call a dog a dog. That's Call funny. a dog a dog preacher. Okay. <laughs> Last question. Question number fifteen, and this one is a doozy, if I do say so myself. The question we is: We need to establish an order for for who's going to answer this question first. No, I'm just going to establish that Steve can't dominate the whole time. <laughs> I would never do that, Richard yeah. Farrow. Okay, <laughs> do tell. Here we go. The question is: A non-account, good, bad, or indifferent? Well, it's certainly not indifferent. Tom, yes. go. Tom is they so are, anti-anonymous. They are horrendous. They are cowardly. <laughs> 
You, there is zero accountability. When you won't put your name on something, then there's nobody to hold you accountable for what you say. Yes. Not only that, but I can't filter it through whatever I know about who you are and where your expertise may lie, where your perspective may lie. They are humorous. But What do you say are, to people, they, though, they, who say, if I come really, out and give my name, if I give my name, I'm going to be persecuted for it. That's that's what you hear. That a lot is of. so cowardly. Listen, I was back on the FFF 20 years ago when No Hiles Edison graduate was. I used my own name because it made me accountable. It forced me to filter what I wrote myself. When you're anonymous, you can say whatever you want, at least to the devaluation of the entire conversation. Okay, Steve. Now, go ahead, Brudnick. Yeah, Tell us why you're wrong. I, I think you got to temper that against the fact that sometimes people are anonymous because um, of something they're going through at the time. That's and a reason, I, but not an excuse. I would right. I would encourage anonymous accounts once they get to know somebody to let them know who they are um, privately. I love how Steve's and, like, and I want to say to all my anonymous that. friends right now. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, speaking right. to the anonymous I have, community. So, what, I do what, have what, friends that are anonymous accounts and I know who they are now. Therefore, <laughs> I've yeah, changed. They're, your, they're you. They're your split personalities. And by the way, for the record, for the record, Brother Russ referred to me as Basil earlier. That's my middle name. That's not that's not some. Okay, let me ask you this seriously, like Brother Brunack. Would you have respected the book Schizophrenic if you didn't know who the author was? Right. Um, Wouldn't you have read it entirely differently? Yes. He's taking too long. I think there are yeah. one or two cases where I think the anonymous accounts are fine, but I agree for the most part it's cowardly because they want to stir the pot, cause trouble, and have no consequences. One or two I, I exceptions. I love the way Martin says they one know or two who exceptions because he has one or two anonymous no. friends. No, no. Here's, here's the deal. I can't say for certain that they're just outright wicked. I just say to me they're right on the edge of being at a place I'm not comfortable with because you're supposed to put your name to what you say. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. You know, yeah. it's just yeah, too much, too close to the line. Mostly, no, I don't like him. I know our poor friends, our poor listeners who are anons are going to be so angry when they hear this. So angry when they hear this. Fine, that street runs both ways. Yeah, just well, think of this guys, your your favorite anon accounts are probably me. I don't have any favorite anonymous accounts. Wouldn't that I be thought about, I thought about asking the question. So, how many of us have an anonymous account? You know, well, but I I, I have I two favorite anonymous accounts, and that's Unwise Ape and IFB Sasquatch, and they are not where I'm at on things. I don't agree with them on some things, but they're yeah. they're good guys. Well, more to come, but this has been they're a good horrified episode. that I mentioned them on here, but a good know. way to uh, to find out where we agree and disagree on some some important issues and some not so important issues and to our listeners today we say thank you for listening to the dcp lightning round